0: these are nebraska corn farmers they work in acres not hours harvesting the energy and climate solutions the world needs we are proud to stand with you
1: the success of tomorrow's soy industry depends on the actions we take today the future is here and the time to move is now
0: Target Journal Television for Agricultural Business Decisions is a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board.
2: Well
3: thanks so much for joining us today on Market Journal, I'm Bryce Duskin. Coming up on today's broadcast, we'll take a look at how agribility is helping farmers and ranchers with disabilities. The University of Nebraska-Lincoln just announced plans for a new heifer development program at the Haskell Ag Lab. We'll bring you those details and hear from Jeff Peterson to get his thoughts on the grain markets coming up. But first, let's check in on harvest progress now with this in the field update. Earlier this week, we had the chance to catch up with Jerry Stair, who is harvesting corn just north of York, Nebraska. That's good, Jerry, we appreciate the time today. Remind me a little about your operation, uh, how you guys have corn and soybeans, as well as uh, who's helping you farm.
2: Yes, that's basic, basically that's what we're down to anymore, is just a corn and soybean rotation. Got rid of the cattle about 15 years ago when my last kid graduated from school and my labor force disappeared.
3: I like how that works. Uh, how you how you time that out, Jerry? It, remind me where you're at uh, again, near York, Nebraska. Your irrigation versus dry land situation.
2: Uh, basically, we're probably eighty-five to ninety percent irrigated and the rest is dry land. Okay, if we go back to the springtime, I had
3: a chance to, to head out to your operation. Some of our viewers might remember that. And you told me that planting conditions as we visited there in April, it was powder dry. You were hoping though that the old phrase, plant in the dust, bins will bust, would come true for you. Just walk me through the growing season in terms of
2: moisture, how things fared. Uh, well, to get that bins will bust thing, you have to have some moisture. And I, th- I think at last count, we've only had about 13 inches for the year here, between 13 and 14 inches. Normally we're 24 to 27. So the bins are busting pretty good under irrigation, but uh, outside of that, not so good. Now there are areas around us, my, my sister lives in Albion, they've had great rains up there. So I think their bins will bust. So, you know, it's an old wives' tale and uh, obviously they aren't totally accurate with those. <laughs> well, bring me up to speed where you sit right now, harvest progress wise, Jerry. 100% done with beans and uh, 95%, 96% done with corn. We have 50 acres left here and we have to finish that up. Well, hopefully we'll finish it up in the next couple of days, but it's slow going because a lot of it is down.
3: Okay. I'll come back and ask you about that down corn here coming up in a second, but looking back on your soybeans this year, of course under the pivot that sure helps yields. But uh, overall, how would you describe the soybean yields this year compared to where you typically sit?
2: Uh, They, for me, they were a total disappointment uh, for what we did. The problem is we had all that heat late and uh, they matured, but they matured so fast. They had as much water as you could give them, but they just, they, they just came along too fast. Now, back on the corn front, you mentioned
3: down corn. When did it, when did that happen, Jerry, and how bad of a situation is it for you?
2: Oh, my gracious, I, you're asking hard questions. I, I can't hardly remember how to tie my shoes each morning. I'm guessing it was, it was just about a week and a half ago that we had a front come through, and we had high winds. We got some moisture with it. I know 60 or 70 hundredths of uh, moisture but uh, the winds were the problem in it and it's just like any kind of wind situation there's places where it's good sometimes it's bad and the area that this field in had more wind and it had bigger problem
3: so how are you adjusting uh, to to trying to pick up uh, the corn that is down any special uh things you can do or just take things slow through the fields
2: jerry well basically we have rented a head that has spirals on the outside edge We've taken some of the, um, well, I call them mud flaps. they are actually ear savers on there and some other pieces off of it to get things to slide a little better. So right now we are, uh, <laughs> my, my son's struggling. Let's put it that way.
3: <laughs> well, going back again, when you and I had the chance to catch up as you were planting in April, you shared with me, that they were doing some experimenting, planting dwarf corn. I suppose those are the acres you wish that you would have had left. Uh, they might have held up a little bit better when it comes to wind, but how did that uh, dwarf corn do this year?
2: Well, that's, that's another issue. <laughs> we also had hail here this year, and uh, that was one of the fields that got hailed out. So there was no comparison on the dwarf corn. It was an exciting idea, but so far it hasn't happened. So we'll try it again next year. That's, that's what farming's all about. You always look to the next year. And you're an optimist, which I always appreciate, Jerry. That about
3: you? No doubt about that. I guess as you look back in the last growing season, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. How are you going to
2: remember 2023? Uh, in hindsight, hopefully, <laughs> behind me is better. Trust me. So I've got some, I've got some friends that retired in the last couple of years, and I'm, I'm saying, you know, they know how to do it. They, they retired at exactly the right time. So I'm not that bright.
3: Well, Jerry, we appreciate you uh, making time for us to swing by as you just got a few acres of corn left and certainly want to wish uh, you and your son a safe rest of the harvest season. Appreciate the time, Jerry. It was good to catch up with Jerry out in the field. It was a fun follow-up, as I mentioned, to our visit with him back in the spring. If you'd like to go back and watch that planting season update as we visited in April, do so by searching the Market Journal YouTube channel. Well, happening this week, the University of Nebraska Lincoln announced plans for the Great Plains Heifer Development Center. That center will be located up in northeast Nebraska at the Haskell Ag Lab. This program can help cattle producers learn the benefits of heifer development through a unique research program. It's a partnership, I should mention, between South Dakota State University and the University of Nebraska Lincoln. Market Journal's Mike Strob brings us this story.
4: The Great Plains Heifer Development Center at UNL's Haskell Beef Lab near Concord, Nebraska will give beef producers game-changing data about their replacement females, years ahead of data tracking at home. This program demonstrates proven heifer development techniques and provides custom heifer development.
5: So this program actually started about four years ago with my colleague who's now at SDSU and at the time we were at the University of Tennessee working with their Heifer Development Center and uh, we both knew that we were coming here to uh, Nebraska and South Dakota respectively and so decided we wanted to get something started like that. And so this collaborative effort uh, will take place at the Haskell Ag Lab near Concord, Nebraska and we'll have space for about 300 head in our inaugural year. And a little bit of a timeline about this project is we'll be bring, be bringing in weaned heifers uh, in December, and then we'll be carrying these cattle through their first breeding season and uh, sending them home to have long, productive careers within the herd.
4: Haskell Ag Lab provides a great location for this program, helping researchers monitor cattle and data more appropriately.
5: It's kind of been a a bit of a crazy timeline. We uh, started it uh, started with the idea and at the time it was a bit of a pipe dream and then uh, we found out about the availability to have it at uh, Haskell and it works out well uh, geographically because it's about halfway in between the two of us so we'll be able to monitor it appropriately and this community is certainly excited to have cattle back in those pens.
4: Goals for the program include providing research access to several sets of cattle that are outside the current research gene pool and providing valuable data to beef producers.
5: Main goal is to help the producer learn more about their cow herd um, on the female side. So we oftentimes see a lot of emphasis on the the sire side to producing uh, higher level females, but rarely do we take a look on the the female side and see what we can do to make those heifers better um, from the standpoint of, of looking at their data.
4: The program will provide custom heifer development data to enrolled producers to help them optimize their operation and promote longevity in their herd.
5: As far as the, the research aspect goes, we're looking to use genomically enhanced uh, EPDs or expected progeny differences, which are regularly used in the purebred sector, but uh, we also want to use the other market segment, which is the commercial cow-calf uh, portion of the industry. As far as education goes, uh, we're looking to use this data that we collect to help producers learn more about their cow herd and to optimize their reproductive efficiency and longevity within their herd. So that way we have less fallout of three and four year old cows and we can increase the life and parity number of our uh, cows within the herd.
4: All heifers must be in good health at delivery and prior to delivery, heifers must be dehorned, healed, dewormed and vaccinated.
5: The two main qualifications that we have is they have to have a weight per day of age of two and a half pounds and then also they have to come in in good health. And this is essentially just to make sure that these cattle come in with plenty of vigor and are set up for success to do well within this program and get bred and we can send them home to raise and wean a calf successfully.
4: If you're interested in custom heifer development, the Great Plains Development Center at Haskell Ag Lab has just the program. Heifers are evaluated for disposition, performance, and reproductive traits, and the nutrition and weight are tracked. Data is then shared with beef producers to help ensure reproductive longevity in their cattle. Reporting for Market Journal, I'm Mike Straub.
3: Thanks for that story, Mike. If you're interested in that program, we will begin accepting cattle in mid-December. You can find more information along with this story. We'll post that over on the Market Journal website. Well, let's move on now and check in on the latest when it comes to the grain markets. Joining the show this week on Wednesday afternoon was Jeff Peterson. Of course, he's the president of Heartland Farm Partners. Harvest progress rolls on. Had a little rain shower across eastern Nebraska last week, but combine's back moving this week, aren't they? They definitely are. It's, it's been interesting this spring that came through. I
6: thought it was going to be a quick header. I thought it was going to be in and out, weather back, combine's going right away, but it's taken a little while to get back going. But the thing I'd say, Bryce, is I think that's kind of the theme of harvest this year. It just seems like it's taken a little while, and in many areas, depending on what the yields have been, the traffic at your grain buyers really hasn't been as robust and as much, and that
3: hasn't even, in some cases, even seemed like harvest. The sun just wouldn't shine there for a few days, and that kept people out of the field. So I have to ask you a couple burning questions I think are on the minds of producers today. A common question I've been seeing thrown out there is, have we seen the Pre-harvest low, the harvest low put in at this point when it comes to corn and soybeans, your thoughts on that?
6: Yeah, as we go through there, that's always such an important, you know, price to go ahead and see. And, and actually, I'm pretty confident that yes, we have on both the corn and the soybean side. I thought the order would have been different. I thought we would have put in the low on beans probably easier than what we did on corn. But it sure seems like we, we did the opposite. We actually put in the low on corn earlier. And now here lately, we've actually, when we had the Cropper or report came out, it kind of confirmed where we were at. That kind of helped solidify and, and starts us moving higher. Now, the thing I want to caution us all on is that as we do move higher, it's not an easy road to go higher. We shouldn't all of a sudden be thinking, oh, guess what, we've got $6 corn and $14 beans. No, it's, it's going to be a grind in here to get this thing moving higher because overall, as we look across the world, there's a lot of things going on that we're going to talk more about but in general sense we've from the world side we've got enough stocks of both corn and soybeans now in the u.s we're going to get a little tight on beans and uh, we're going to be okay on corn but but that still means i think we'll go higher than this it's just that this market won't run away on us all right let's focus in on
3: corn for a second looking at the pre-harvest low for december corn placed in september 467 or so you said I'm reading into what you're saying here a little bit. Maybe don't expect $6, but what's realistic as we chug away at the corn market? How high perhaps could we go? I suppose you can create a scenario for about anything though, couldn't you?
6: Yeah, you sure can, but that's a great question. So we know that that $5 area that we've bumped up in and around is gonna be a tough one to break on through. From there, once we can break through that, I'd say then somewhere in that 5 to 5, you know, 10 area, we think the market has the ability to hit the 5.25 area. Now there's some things going on out there, you know, with the war with uh, Israel and Hamas, uh, that could cause us to, to shoot higher than that, but, but I think that'd be our first target we'd look at, somewhere in that 525 type area.
3: Beans, the, uh, the low was about 1250, as you mentioned, set, uh, I think, October 11th or so for November Beans. You bullish on them as well, we can keep chugging away?
6: Yeah, actually, I think the story on beans is probably even a little bit stronger than what we end up having on the corn side. The main reason, it isn't necessarily where we're sitting on the world balance sheet because we do have plenty of beans across the world, but the story really comes back to the US and that story that's happening in the US is that we've we've got good crush demand. And actually we ended up having a NOPA crush report that came out that showed that we ended up having a new record amount of production on the crush side for September. And what was interesting about that though, is we also had a lower amount of basically soybean oil stocks and what the market was expecting. So what that tells us is that we're crushing more and there's very good demand for the soybean oil. And much of that demand for the soybean oil is really coming back to being used in in the renewable diesel. One other thing that I found interesting in that report was the fact that actually this is the first time that we would have used during the month of September more soybean oil basically from the renewable energy side than we ended up using from the food and the feed side so that's an interesting shift so the other thing about the bean side is that the ending stocks are tight enough and we look to those stocks to use ratios that here in the US if our yield would slip down a little bit and we see exports increase which I anticipate seeing that will happen in the future our balance sheet starts getting pretty tight on the bean side.
3: Another uh, kind of burning question I suppose in the minds of producers as harvest uh, continues across the heartland is unsold bushels right now. Do you put them in the bin take them to town and I guess once they're in town you got a few other options. Any particular advice you're offering uh, to folks out there when it comes to that question?
6: Yeah so big picture this is how we kind of break it down as we look at it and say okay if you've got bin space we'd say we'd like to have your bins full and that isn't just because we think we'll see a higher futures price, but it is because we do think we'll see a tighter basis down the road, meaning a better basis level, less less negative, more positive as we go down the road. And that's really because demand is good enough relative what the supply is. And that especially is true for all of our Nebraska viewers. As you get out further in different areas, that can change a little bit. So then once you've got your bins full, on on your farm, then we have to address and talk about, okay, now what do we do with those bushels that go to town? Because we've got some really good choices. As we get to town, our opinion is, is that we still will see basis levels improve. So as a result of that, we'd really like to see that grain put on delayed pricing or storage, whichever of those are cheaper. And, and then from there, at some point down the road, once we've seen the basis improve enough, now how much could that be? That's going to really depend on the market you're in, but if we see a 10 or 15 cent improvement in basis, that might be a stretch in some markets, but in others we've already seen that. Then what we'll do is that we will physically come out of those delayed pricing contracts and switch them over to a basis contract. By switching over to a basis contract, what that'll do for us is that'll stop storage or stop the service charges, allows you to take an advance on that grain, and still does give us the ability to still get a higher futures price down the road. Now, we hope in here that we get a chance to actually get those basis contracts set, not uh, not against the December futures on corn, but against the March futures. So we've got a little time here before we'd probably lock in that basis. And then over on the beans, we'd really like to get those set against the point in time where they're bidding off the January and not the November. But that that's what we're looking at right now. We don't want to be a seller of
3: cash bushels that are going into town right now. I appreciate your thoughts on that, Jeff. want to wrap up with this this week. When it comes to your marketing plan in the midst of harvest, what other things should we be thinking about?
6: Yeah, so really what we're focused on right now is we want to go back and revisit all our break-evens and know where we're at. We want to talk about Uh, with everybody involved in operation, when do we want to move these bushels? So, you know, do we need to move a certain amount here the latter, you know, in November, December, Jan, Feb, March, or out there in April and May? The other thing we have to be watching is it's time, if you haven't done it already, to roll your hedges and hedge to arrives out. The carry that's in the market right now is, is sufficient. The carry in the market right now is good enough that by moving those out, and how far out can you move those? Well, in beans, I'd like to see them out against the March. If you don't wanna go all the way to March, at least get to January. Over on the corn side, we should get those out all the way out to July if you can back roll them. Otherwise, get them out far enough so that you match them up with what your delivery plan is.
3: Thanks to Jeff for taking the time out of his week to join us on the program. Coming up next week, we'll be joined by Todd Holtman. He's with DTN. Up next, these can certainly be devastating occurrences on the farm for this time of the year. We're talking about combine fires as they can happen quite quickly and they can not only burn up the machine but also acres of standing crops. Keeping the combine clean and free of debris is obviously a key way to prevent such fires. But you can learn more about combine fire safety and prevention as well as insurance implications in the October issue of The Nebraska Farmer. Well, it is once again time to check in on weather now with Nebraska Extension Ag Climatologist Eric Hunt. Eric, it's been a pretty good week when it comes to harvest and harvest progress, as I mentioned earlier in the show. But how are things looking as we turn to the week ahead?
7: Thanks, Bryce. I think we could see some challenges this uh, upcoming week for the harvest. More than that in a little bit. First, I start out with the drought monitor, which uh, was released Thursday morning. Uh, so some good news report. We actually have the highest percentage of the state in the none category since June 15th of 2021. And we actually saw some two-category improvements across Cherry, Loop, Custer, Wheeler, Holt, Pierce, and Antelope uh, Counties. Uh, unfortunately, we did see a little bit of degradation here in Chase County to uh, moderate drought from abnormal dryness. Uh, we saw very heavy precipitation across the northern third of the state, including down here to Custer and Dawson County. Uh, biggest precipitation total was uh, this on the observer from the Holt-Wheeler County line, where we did see almost 10 inches of rain in about a 48-hour period late last week. Uh, this also has reflected in the soil moisture. We generally are doing very very well across uh, a lot of northeastern north central Nebraska and also out here a lot of the panhandles. So again very good changes uh, with last week's rains. A uh, little bit of uh, degradation down here closer to uh, say Red Cloud Superior where we have picked up less rain last week. So, in terms of the week ahead, we do have some potential challenges coming up this week. Uh, Starting on Sunday, we might see a little bit of rain in western Nebraska in the morning and then in the eastern part of the state in the afternoon. Uh, Again, I think these amounts should be relatively light if you get anything at all, so I don't think that should affect your uh, harvest too much. Uh, But as we move through the day on Monday and into Monday or certainly Monday night into Tuesday, we will have a cold front moving through the state. Uh, The western half of the state looks to be relatively dry from this, but eastern Nebraska certainly uh, could pick up some showers and storms from this. And there's definitely even a chance of uh, some severe weather across the uh, parts of southeastern Nebraska so uh, Auburn down to fall city maybe pay close attention to your forecast as you get into uh, Monday night. Uh, this later next week it could be a little bit more problematic in terms of some heavier precipitation uh, particularly across uh, the eastern uh, third of the state where we might actually pick up two to three inches of rain uh, but there's still some uncertainties uh, including the strength of place of the storm would be coming out of the southwest uh, and how or wherever that we would be moving to. Uh, southeast ridge of high pressure that would be pumping moisture back into our area. The placement of that and the strength of it will greatly define how much moisture transport we have up here uh, and the normal remnants, which right now don't look to be a huge factor for us, but if there is a bit more moisture from uh, normal, which is currently the Pacific, if this works this way up here, then we could actually see some more rain. Uh, again, I think the southeastern uh, third of the state is most likely to see more than two inches of rain. Uh, it doesn't look quite as well as we get to central Nebraska. and It looks to be a relatively dry week for most of western Nebraska. Uh, getting into the, a little bit deeper into the forecast, we head toward next weekend and early the, fo- the following week. It does look to be colder. Now, the timing of the coldest of the air is still a little bit uncertain. It might be by next Friday. It might hold off until the following Saturday or Sunday. Uh, but certainly, by then, everybody will have had a freeze. Uh, if you haven't already, most places have already had one, but certainly places in eastern Nebraska that have not had a freeze, we'll get one by that point. There also is a risk of heavy snow. The CPC put this uh, risk of heavy snow out uh, early this morning, being Thursday morning. Uh, now, this is mostly a reflection of the GFS. Uh, yesterday was putting some heavy snow across northern Nebraska into South Dakota. and has since shift that north, the European model has been keeping the snow up in Canada. So I'm not real bullish on this, but keep an eye on this as we head toward the th- Halloween. Thanks. Back to you, Bryce.
3: Thank you very much for that update, Eric. We do appreciate it. Finally, Teddy, it's no secret that farming and ranching are physically demanding occupations. However, sometimes unforeseen events can leave even the strongest of us unable to to perform those duties. When a producer is faced with learning to live with a disability, there's a resource out there that can help. Market Journal's Bill Dodd has this story.
8: Farming and ranching are a couple of the most physically demanding jobs on the planet. So, when a farmer or rancher is suddenly unable to work due to a disability, many might say that it's time to hang up the hat and call it a career. However, a program called Agribility is seeking to change that idea by working with farmers and ranchers with disabilities in order to give them the tools they need to keep themselves and their operation moving forward.
9: Agribility is a nationwide program that works with farmers and ranchers that have disabilities or disabling health conditions and we help find them assistive technology so they can keep farming and ranching so that they can get back to doing what they love every day of their lives. No injury should have to impact you so that you can't do what you love anymore. Um, We start our funding because we're we're grant-funded. So every four years, states must reapply for the grant. The grant funding comes from USDA NIFA, which is at the very bottom line of the Farm Bill. So when we apply for those grant funds, we just pray every four years that we're lucky enough to get a program and continue to keep it. Here in Nebraska, we've been lucky enough to have a program since 1995. We've served a little over 675 clients, I think, since that time period, and so we're, we're getting closer to that 700 mark. There's over 10,000 farmers and ranchers throughout the state that have injuries, so it's spreading the word about our programs that we can continue to work with farmers and ranchers all the time.
8: Accidents and other unforeseen events can lead to life-changing ordeals and decisions. Like the old saying goes, where there's a will, there's a way. When third-generation farmer Eric Beckman was involved in an accident that left him fighting for his life and took his ability to walk, there was never an instant where he thought of calling it quits on the farm.
1: We were at Craig Hospital, and they had meetings every, I don't know, four to six weeks, and it was with our doctors, his PT, his OT, all of them. And they sat down and laid it out for Eric and said, this is an opportunity for you to get to do something else if you'd like. Um, your state will fund for you to go back to college. There's a lot of things you can do. And they said if there's anything you'd ever wanted to do, what would you like to do? And Eric sat there and he didn't even wait. It wasn't about a couple seconds. And he says, well, I've never wanted to do anything but farm. You know, all the stories I heard, that's all he ever wanted to do was farm. And I remember my stomach just going, oh, how is that going to work? And the best part for me was getting to be a wife. I got to just be the wife. I got to be, take care of him. And when Agribility stepped in and Eric's father stepped in, I didn't have to worry about it. I knew they were taking care of him. I knew they were going to get him back to the passion he had. And that was what got Eric to still be Eric.
6: Oh, there's a lot of things. I mean, they they can change your life for you. They have uh, resources out there that uh, you don't know about. they can give you, you know, to get you back into what you want to do in life, and uh, and and they're great people to work with, I mean, easy people to work with, and uh, very knowledgeable, and uh, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough about them.
8: It's been said by many that life is a game of chance. Sometimes it may feel like the odds are stacked against you. However. AgrAbility will be there to help when called upon by those who need them. Reporting for Market Journal,
3: I'm Bill Dodd. Thanks for that story, Bill. Great success story to see. Finally today, during this time of the year, you ask me, there's not much better than being in the field and listening to a football game on the radio. But our photo of the week might top that radio experience. Randy snapped this photo as Johnson Brock squared off against Pawnee City at a football game. Meanwhile, as you can see in the photo, combines rolled right there in the background. Pretty solid view, and Randy, we appreciate you letting us use that here on the show. That is going to do it for this week's broadcast. Want to remind you to follow the Market Journal show on YouTube to catch up with any missed segments. You can also watch our entire show over on the website watchacrestv.com. Hope to see you back here next time. Until then, I'm Bryce Duskett, wishing you a safe and productive week.
0: Join Market Journal online at marketjournal.unl.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter Instagram, and Facebook. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Market Journal is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources.